Well, you're going to want your Bible this morning as we dig into God's Word and worship Him to death, together, do what we do here at Grace. If you need a Bible, you got some people walking around, just slip up a hand and they'll get a, a Bible in your hand. <clears throat> and, uh, and we say, I recognize today, Happy Mother's Day to all of you mamas out there. Um, yeah, woo! Uh, Happy Mother's Day, my mom. She's here somewhere. So, Happy Mother's Day, mom. I already said it. It wasn't just like right now that I'm remembering. Um, but yeah, we also recognize that Mother's Day <clears throat> is one of those holidays that has so many different emotions attached to it. Just as your pastor, I know, I've walked through it with some of you this year uh, who have lost children, who have lost mothers this year. Uh, who this uh, Mother's Day, you don't have your mom with you. I've walked with some of you who wanted desperately by now to be mothers and in your nine. So we recognize there are, there's lots of different emotions that go uh, with, uh, with holidays like today. But also at the same time, we do celebrate the role of, of mothers in our, in our lives. And, uh, and as, a, as a great family, we say often that, <clears throat> that our heart, our vision, <clears throat> excuse me, is to, uh, <clears throat> is to raise up a generation of spiritual mothers and fathers. Uh, that it isn't just biological mothers this world needs. Uh, I mean, that uh, was about to say that's the easy part. I've been there for four of them. I know it's not the easy part. But what we, really, what we need is spiritual mothers. And there are some of you that may have never brought a child into this world physically, but you have raised up countless children. And so we honor all the mothers those of you who foster and adopt, those of you who teach and coach and mentor and disciple, and those of you who have uh, wake up in the middle of the night and, uh, uh, and care for, pray for, um, hurt for, and long for this next generation. And so we honor you, and we, we know that uh, today is one day of the year, and what you do is 365 days of the year. And, uh, and, and so we hope that today is a blessing, and no matter where you are, whether you are celebrating or grieving or both, and uh, that Jesus is with us in all of it. Now, we talked about this last week. I love how real uh, that Jesus is present with us, and, and that God took on flesh to experience, identify with the fullness of humanity. And last week, we talked about how, how the feeding of the 5,000 and that amazing miracle and that right before it happens, in one breath, it goes from Jesus celebrating with his disciples all of the kingdom breakthrough that they're experiencing, all the ways people's lives are being changed and transformed, and God is answering prayers. And at the exact same time, they are grieving the, the murder of John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin. And, and one breath, grief and celebration, and that God is with you in both simultaneously. He sees you, and he knows you, and he loves you, and he's with you and wants to give you exactly what you need. And so my prayer for you this Mother's Day is that you would receive all that God has for you, whatever that is that you need. And so we'll be looking in, at Luke chapter 10 this morning as we are making our way through uh, the book of Luke, looking at meals, the meals with Jesus. We say this every week, is that, that uh, one commentator wrote that the book of Luke is basically in its entirety, Jesus either going to a meal, coming from a meal, or at a meal. 
and that we love that the God of this universe, when he showed up to show us what he is like, his heart, the way he, his words, he speaks, his ways, that he didn't build ministries or launch programs, he shared meals. That he sat in that intimate space with his people, both those who liked him and those who didn't, those who agreed with him and those who were violently opposed to him, that he shared himself over meals. And so today we uh, come to a pretty familiar story, a, a pretty familiar meal in the home of two sisters, Mary and Martha. So let me read this for you. And, uh, and, and as we say often, way more important than anything that I would have to share this morning is what God wants to be speaking to you. And so as we read these words, and, and what for many is a familiar story, and maybe some preconceptions about this story, may God speak even a fresh word to us this morning through his word. So I'm going to start in verse 38 uh, in Luke chapter 10. Now as they went on their way, being the disciples, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. <clears throat> but Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary or needed. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. <clears throat> so <clears throat> I know <clears throat> a lot of times this story is taught as if there's a, as a, as a uh, kind of a, uh, a verse, like Mary versus Martha, and this question of which one are you? As if Mary is the, is the one that you should be more like, Martha is who you shouldn't be more like. But I also know that for a lot of people in this room, if the, when they're honest, like, I actually am more Martha. And I feel pretty guilty that I'm not more like Mary. And I think that may actually be a wrong way of reading this. Uh, I, I am married to a Martha, a woman who gets things done, who thinks in terms of tasks and completing things, who is organized and makes sure that everyone is taking care of things. And I don't think that God's word in her life is to be less like yourself. I think God's word is to be more the, the woman that I've made you to be. So what does it look like to live fully as a Martha? And then is the invitation of Jesus to all people, not just women. This isn't just a passage about women. This is a passage about humanity. It's just choosing two sisters. Is that we should all just sit around and do nothing. Sing kumbaya, and that's when God is really pleased with us. I don't think that's the point either. Actually, it's very interesting uh, where this passage sits. And I, we often read this passage alone, but Luke is very intentional about how he structures his gospel. And this passage is actually right between two significant, I mean, all of Scripture is significant, but two uh, 
uh, two pretty memorable passages. One is in Luke 10, beginning of Luke 10, if you remember, as Jesus is sending out the 72. If you remember Luke 9, right before the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus is sending out the 12. And so Jesus is at this stage of his ministry, having shown and taught what the kingdom of God is like, embodied who God is and what God's reign and rule on this earth looks like, heal the sick, raise the dead, give sight to the blind, has taught the ways of the kingdom, the parables, and, uh, and, and reaffir- like, realigned their understanding of scripture. Uh, you heard it was this, but I tell you it's this. The people amazed that he taught as one with authority because he was speaking as God, not just about God. And so Jesus, having embodied and lived and taught the ways of the kingdom, is now shifted to say, now you go and do likewise. You go and embody the kingdom. You go and teach the ways of God and his kingdom. You go and, and live into this, the fullness of life that God has invited you into. And so at Luke 9, we see that it is 12 that he sends, and then Jesus sends 72. He's multiplied those that he's sending out, this, this, uh, this multiplying, growing movement of the ways of the kingdom. And those 72, uh, they are experiencing the fruit of what God is doing in, the, in their community, watching the miracles take place. And in the midst of all of this activity... A young man shows up and asks Jesus an important question. God, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus, the master, uh, turns the question back on him and says, well, what, what does the scripture say? And he answers, actually probably the answer that he heard Jesus teach. Well, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus tells him, exactly go and do it. And so then he asked Jesus, well, yeah, but who is my neighbor? And, uh, and Jesus then teaches this famous parable of the Good Samaritan. Your neighbor, who is the neighbor? Your neighbor is the one uh, that cares for the other, that cares for the forgotten and the lost, that's willing to cross boundaries, that it's not just about the people that you like or that are like you. That is the one who is the neighbor, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. And then you get Mary and Martha. And then on the other side of Mary and Martha, you get Jesus teaching the Lord's prayer. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. He then continues on his teaching about prayer, that to the one who needs, uh, that it will be given. To the one who asks and seeks, they will receive. So what's the significance? You have Mary and Martha sitting in between some passages on going and doing the things of God of showing mercy, of loving your neighbor, of loving God, of activity and ministry, of of a harvest that is ripe. So go and ask the Lord of the harvest to send workers into the field. Go and do the things that you've seen me doing. And on the other side, a prayer that in essence says, Lord, we need you to meet our needs. 
We need to receive everything that you have from us. And so Mary and Martha sits between the doing and the receiving. You see that? Go and do, and yet receive. Go and show mercy, and receive mercy. Go and love others, and receive love. And so now all of a sudden you have this sister pair caught in the middle of this tension between doing and doing for God and receiving from God. And it's not a matter of saying, no, now go be Mary. Stop trying to be Martha. It is Martha, you also need you also need to be like Mary. It's the both and of doing and receiving. And it's almost as if, God, as, as if Luke writing this is, say, is recognizing our tendency to think that what, what really matters and what God is looking for is to, is to go and accomplish great things for him, to show up, to be obedient, to do, to do, to do, to do. And he's like saying, no, time out. Yes, you're created to flourish and to be fruitful and to have purpose and meaning and to accomplish great things for God. But you know how you're gonna do that? by receiving everything I have for you, by sitting with me a moment. It's not to that, stop trying to do. It is, yes, go and do from a position of receiving because we can't really give what we don't have. And so we have Martha who it says is serving, consumed with serving the Lord and the people that are in her house, trying to make her home a space that God can be welcomed in. There's nothing wrong with what she is doing. The real question is what's going on in Martha's heart? What we find out is that we see Martha busy, anxious, Distracted. So how did Martha feel? We just paused in the story. What was she thinking? I'm alone. I'm overwhelmed. If I don't do this, no one else will. Does anyone see me? Is anyone going to show up for me? Does anyone care? Is there anyone in this room that has ever felt that way? I'm alone. I'm overwhelmed. Does anyone care? If I don't get it done, no one else will. God isn't rebuking Martha for being Martha. Someone that takes care of people that's opening her home, that's serving, that's thinking of others. He's reminding her about what really matters. The problem isn't her desire to serve, it's that she's missing the point. And Jesus sees her. This isn't a rebuke of her. It, it, it's like the, he, Jesus is saying, no, 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 I actually see you. He sees past her busyness to her fear. You're anxious and troubled about many things. 
You know, in Romans, it says that God's kindness leads us to repentance. And if I'm honest, a lot of times in my life, I think of it's going to be like God's like hammer stroke that's going to knock me on my feet and lead me to repentance. That usually just leads me into deeper shame. No, it's his kindness, his invitation. I see you. I know you. I know your heart. And I want so much more for you. Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. So what she's thinking is, I'm alone. No one cares. It's up to me to make it work. What is she actually feeling? Scared. She's really scared. And honestly, I wonder how many in this room, we sit in the exact same place. We have all these thoughts. I'm alone. It's up to me to make it work. I'm overwhelmed. It's not going to happen. I'm not enough. But really what we're feeling deep on the inside is fear. We're really, really scared. And what are we scared of? I don't know for Martha what it is. That she's not enough. That she doesn't have enough. That she's not going to measure up. That Jesus is going to be displeased with her. That he's going to leave. That she's going to mess it all up. But for you, and the stress, and the busyness, and the distractions, at the core, what, what are you actually feeling? Like, what's going on in your heart? What are you afraid of? And are you willing to be honest with God about it? To just say, to recognize, to name it, and to lay it before God and say, actually, God, if I'm really honest... I'm really scared that I'm going to blow this and you're going to reject me. I'm really scared that I'm going to mess this up. I'm going to mess my family up. I'm really scared that I'm, I'm screwing up when it comes to parenting. I'm really scared that I'm not enough as a spouse. I'm really scared that people don't actually care enough about me and they're not going to show up when I need them. I'm actually really scared, God, that all of this is going to fall apart. And then let him speak into it. I mean, that's true repentance. Repentance isn't telling God you're sorry for the bad things that you did. Repentance is recognizing, here's what I'm believing. Here's what I'm holding on to. And God, I need you to reveal the lies that I'm believing and replace them with what is true. So God, what I believe and what I feel is that I'm alone and no one cares and it's up to me to make life work. But God, what do you say? A.W. Tozer says that the most important thing about any person is what they think about God. And what we feel actually is revealing at the, at the core what we are actually believing about God. God, I'm alone, and I'm scared, and I'm overwhelmed, and it's up to me to make life work. What am I actually saying about God? You're not present. You don't care. You're not enough. You don't see me. And the amazing things about God is when, we, when we're honest with him, he can actually take it. And it's in the honesty that he can bring freedom and healing. But when we pretend to have it all together, no, 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 it's good. No, God's good. God loves me. Me and God, we're great. But I still have to make my life work because I'm not really sure that he cares or he's gonna show up. 
I mean, even listen to the words of, of the way Jesus taught them to pray. Father, who's in heaven, holy is your name. Set apart are you. Your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. How we show up in this craziness and this brokenness, this mess. Lord, give us today our daily bread. Will you give us what we need, God? And forgive us, even as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lord, lead us, not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For it's your kingdom, your power, your glory forever. Amen. It's a prayer of receiving. God, will you give me what I need today? And what Jesus continues on in Luke 10 to, sh to declare is that he is a good father that wants to give his children what they need. And the irony is, is that when we're all rushing around in our fear and our anxiety and our distraction, trying to make life work on our own, and then blaming God or doubting that God will actually show up for us, we're not actually giving space in our, God, in our lives for God to show up for us. You see that? And God's saying, stop long enough. Stop long enough to be honest with yourself and stop long enough to be honest with me and let me speak into your fear. Let me speak into your anxiety. Let me tell you who I am and who you are to me. And in that space, in that truth, be set free. And let me set your heart at peace. So that from that posture, you can go back into that busy room with that never-ending checklist and all of those people with all of their needs and walk into that place as my son, as my daughter, who knows I am right here with you and I will give you what you need. And with me as a good shepherd, you're never lacking. And I see exactly where you are and I know exactly what's going on and I'm in control. And at the end of all of this, I will have glory and it will be good. And you can trust me and I will never leave you and I will never break my promise. I have never turned my face from you. And from that posture, you can walk back into the craziness of this life and flourish. From the beginning of creation, God designed us to live life in this rhythm. God who hovers, Genesis 1, God hovers over the chaos and speaks words of life and creation. His words become worlds. He brings order into the chaos, light into the darkness, life into the barrenness, and he blesses it. And into that ordered beauty, packed with potential, that flourishing world, he sets man and woman and gives them dominion. Multiply. Be fruitful. 
the longing in your heart to live a life of significance and meaning and impact, to live a life that matters, is there because God put it in you. From Genesis 1, God created you to live a fruitful, flourishing life, a life of depth and impact with him, with him. And then the amazing thing is this, is that God does all of this and he blesses man and woman and he says all of this is very good and then on the seventh day he rests. He ceases from his work. The final act of creation was Sabbath. Now what's interesting is we, we think of that as God is really, really busy and then he's tired so he rests on the seventh day. So that's how I need to live my life. I need to get really, really busy until I'm so exhausted that I collapse and finally rest. Thank God for the seventh day so we can catch our breath and go at it again. We actually look at that over a lifespan as well, right? We work and work and work until one day finally I can stop and enjoy life and retire just in time to die. Right? It's absurd, but is that not the reality of the culture we live in? I think it's important to name it sometimes. Be like, okay, yes, I think this, and when I say it out loud, it's really stupid. But that's God's perspective. Look at it from man's and woman's and Adam and Eve's perspective. God sets the world in order, sets plants to flourish and thrive, animals to to be bountiful, to multiply. He gives them a commission. He gives them their calling, their task in the world. That's day six, right? And what is the very first thing? Go, multiply, be fruitful. What is the first thing he has them do? Go plant a field? Go chop down a tree? Build a house? No. What's the first thing? They're created on day six. What is the first thing they do? You say it out loud. Rest. Day seven is their day one. And from day seven, they're called to go, to be and to do. And so we get it backwards when we think about Sabbath as the end of our week. It's actually the beginning of the week. From a human's perspective, we were created to work from rest not to rest from work now I'll be really honest about this sermon this is one of those that I am preaching to myself as much if not more than everyone else in this room because I know what it feels like to strive to 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 pursue to go to go to go to feel like the weight of the world is on my shoulders and it's up to me to make life work to try to navigate parenting and marriage with my responsibilities as a pastor and in this community to be a good leader to be a good example to get everything done to make sure that bills are paid and people are taken care of and to go and go and go and do and I love the verse the, the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few oh man that means I need to work probably three times more because there's not enough people out there to do it and I think Jesus sits down in the house and says listen (laughs) Brian Brian you are anxious distracted by so many things 
But there's one thing that's needed. There's one thing you're invited into. And then yes, from that place, go, go. Be unleashed into the world, into all that I made you to do. So what is that good portion that God has for you? What is he inviting you into? As we looked at last week, the disciples, so busy they didn't even have time to eat. Jesus calls them to go to a quiet place to get some rest. And when the boat lands, there's even more crowds waiting for them. But that Jesus gave them the boat ride. So where are the boat rides? Where are the places of rest? What are those times? And I know talking to any of you that have young children, you're like, there's not, right? But I appreciate, no, I mean, it's really, let's be honest, right? Let's be honest with God and think about what are we actually saying to God in that moment? God, you don't actually have what I need. You don't know what I need. And if you do know what you need, you don't care enough about me to actually give me what I need. So Let's be honest with God there first, right? That's an important thing, just to be honest with God about it, right? And then ask him, okay, God, what is true? What is true? Do you see me? Do you care? Do you know what my family's like? Do you know what my baby's going through? Do you know what my children need? And if you're calling me to, uh, to... to live from a place of rest and peace, where is that going to come from? In my crazy life, where is that going to come from, God? Now, I can't give you, I'd love to, I mean, I'm sure there's great Mother's Day sermons out there where they give you 10 points on what you need to do to really be successful in life. I don't have that for you. I wish I did. What I can do is point you to a God who does. For you, not the person next to you, for you, what you need. And not for tomorrow, for today. Because tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. What does he have for you right now? What is Jesus inviting you to receive right now? And so we're going to continue to worship for a little bit. But in that worship, I I just invite you, even if right now, what if this is your boat ride? (laughs) You know? Just take a breath. And be present. Just right here. To be honest with God, maybe we just start right there. God, this is what I'm feeling. If I'm really honest, this is what I'm scared of. This is my fear. This is where I feel alone. This is where I'm struggling. This is what's going on in me. This is what I'm excited about, nervous about. God, is there any lie that I'm believing? in that, in that anxiety, in that angst. Is there any lie that I'm believing about you, about who I am to you, about this world? And what is true? God, what do you want me to know? Because I want to pray for us. We'll worship together. And when you're ready, uh, I invite invite our prayer team to come on forward here. If there's anyone that, anything going on, or not anything, if there is something going on, I invite you just to let somebody pray for you. 
not to carry the burdens that you're feeling alone. That's what the church is for. And we'll have a communion set up, that reminder, the presence of God in Christ. Jesus, who at that last supper took the bread and broke it, a symbol of fellowship, of oneness, and said, this is my body given for you. Take and eat, and every time you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And so we take from that common loaf as this reminder that it's Jesus for us together. Jesus with us, as real as that bread on our lips, is the presence of Christ for our souls. And Jesus took that cup and he said, this is my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins, the blood of a new covenant. Take, drink, and every time you do this, do this in remembrance of me. So he dipped that bread into the wine as that reminder of Christ's blood shed for our forgiveness that nothing could separate us from the love of God. And so as we search our hearts and as we're honest with God and give him space to speak into our lives, we take communion as that act of faith, that symbol, of remind, that reminder of what Jesus has done for us and who he is for us, present, available, loving, forgiving, gracious, and kind. Can you receive all that God our Father has for you today? If you would prefer, we have also at the communion stations in the back of the room, we have uh, grape juice and the wafers uh, for any of our kids or any of you that would prefer uh, that or gluten-free. I pray, let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the work you're doing even right now in this room. God, we thank you for the reminder of Mother's Day that we, we all need, all have mothers in our lives both those who brought us into this world, but also those who have poured their lives into us, shaped and formed us. And we do pray, God, that you would raise up out of Grace Monroe a generation of spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers that would invest in and raise up sacrifice for the next generation. But right now, Lord, we come to you as your children, as your sons and daughters. And I pray right now, Lord, for every heart in this room, just pause and give space to be honest with you. Lord, where are the places that we are anxious, distracted? Lord, where do we need to hear from you? And when unconditional love steps into your fear, What does he say to you? What does Jesus want you to know? Even right now. And can you receive it? We pray these things in his name. Amen.